Welcome to Spark, a mother-daughter journey. Hi, Mom. Hello, hello. We just had a bit of a technical thing for the last hour. But thank God we have our producer on set. She (laughs) was able to figure it out in no time flat, and Tech Genius is with us, Sophia Ray. I think it's honestly like a bit of a good lesson because in the past I would get so frustrated Mm -hmm. if something doesn't work out right away. I'm like, okay, well, might as well just give up. It's not working out. And I feel like I had that kind of mentality when I started the podcast because it took so much time and effort to just figure out the terminology, what I was doing, how to do it. And when you talk to someone that's in audio, it just sounds like they're speaking a different language. What I just saw you do was you got curious. Yeah. Well, I approached it like, okay, something's not working out right now. Let's just switch out a bunch of different factors and try and figure this out like one by one. Instead of looking like the big picture, which is the issue, I kind of took more of like a step-by-step approach, which I think I need to do in in every aspect of my life because I tend to get overwhelmed. And this kind of ties in with our topic. Yeah. Our topic of conflict, confrontation, and communication, the three C's, and how conflict can be really overwhelming and Mm, frightening for for many people, especially women. And I think chunking conflict down and just being really clear on our intent is one of those key ways of navigating conflict, which we're going to get into. Yeah. I'm excited for this one, actually. I am not. Oh, okay. Let's unpack that. (laughs) Yes, we will. We will unpack it. It's just perfect. So do you want to start us off by reading? The quote? Yeah. Yeah. So what I found is really interesting is I always attributed conflict and confrontation to be one and the same, but... I kind of, through research, figured out that, quoting The Guardian, confrontation is the willingness to address difficult topics, while conflict is the willingness to engage in tense interpersonal relationships. So I just think that distinction is really interesting. So confrontation is like a one-shot deal, right? It's very situational. Yeah. Difficult topic. While conflict can be engaging maybe ongoingly yeah. with tense interpersonal relationships. Yeah. This is edgy for some and exciting for others. Why don't we dive right in? I'd love to start by talking about the generational gap. Yeah, sure. Go and ahead. the difference between the two of us. Yeah. So uh you know, conflict for many women my age is uncomfortable right? because we were brought up, I was brought up in the church. And so women were the ones behind the scenes caring for the children and peacekeepers. We were people pleasers and we were taught to be nice almost at all costs. Yeah. Like that was our role. Yeah, it's been many years of being outside of that paradigm, but the training is deeply embedded. Right. And I don't know if it's a combination of nature and nurture. Mm. I think that my personality is one of, you know, I thrive in harmony. Yes, you do. I do. And I don't thrive in conflict. No. (laughs) But conflict is necessary. Yeah. So I'm not sure. 
if it's because I was brought up in this environment with these rules. Right. I think it's partly that and partly it's my highly sensitive gene. It's interesting because as you talked about the generational gap, I think for me, conflict is just like such an everyday thing, but it comes in different shapes and forms. Yes. Conflict could be just like the prevalence of drama. Yes. In high school right? Like that technically to me is like a form of conflict. Yes. And it's really interesting because I am someone who really likes confrontation. I kind of find that fun and exciting. I get to tell them how I really feel. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, I know. I know because I was taught to avoid conflict. Right. But issues don't just disappear. No, they don't. And so the way in which... I learned to deal with things was to be passive aggressive. Right. So it's a passive, silent way of communicating, and it's very destructive. I don't do it a lot now. I've really done a lot of work on it, yeah. and, and I've been on the receiving end of passive, passive aggression, aggression my whole life, and it is so awful. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's been really damaging for me, right. and so I've really shone the light of awareness onto that pattern, but the few times that I do dip into it unconsciously, you'll like, you'll lean right in, come right in my face. Oh yeah, I'm just like that type of person, so I, I don't mind confrontation. I think that I really value being heard. I think that's something mm-hmm. that I, I need in every relationship. But the interesting distinction is I hate conflict. Like I'm a bit of a people pleaser. Well, I think that you confront people with the intent to make things right. Right. And as I speak that, I heard uh, an Indigenous elder mm. refer to reconciliation as that. Yeah. The desire to make things right. And so I think it, you confront people with that intent, which is so beautiful and really has a peaceful energy about it. I'm not seeking out conflict when I engage in confrontation. Right. Which I think is a really interesting distinction. You approach confrontation with uh, gentleness. Oh, you know, good. without without blame. Yeah, just let's put it on the table and talk about it. Okay. And as you were sharing about your penchant for confrontation, I was thinking <laughs> to myself, I'm so glad that I did the inner work around this aversion to conflict and confrontation because yeah. it would have been very difficult to meet you there. Oh yeah, but I'm able to now. I just think it's really interesting that, you know, when I say I'm a bit of a people pleaser, I don't necessarily view myself like that, but recent events have shown me that I am kind of like that. I don't want to make anyone feel bad Mm -hmm. by engaging in conflict. Mm -hmm. But you do genuinely care about other people and their self-esteem. And yeah, you don't just want to make people feel uncomfortable to feel bad about themselves. No. Yeah, you're leaning in to communicate and resolve something. It's powerful stuff. Um, And what we know is that conflict avoiders or peacekeepers tend to be really good at relationships. Yeah. So they tend to have fairly peaceful relationships. But for me, being on the you know, the far right of conflict avoider. Right. Um, it's it's had devastating results in right. my life, right? There are people who 
I didn't get to have these rich conversations with to unpack issues. Right. That, I think, is an example of undelivered communication, Yeah. which is the result of someone who avoids conflict. It's so difficult because I think conflict avoiders get a really bad rap Mm -hmm. as people who, you know, sometimes lean towards passive aggression or just like outright not communicating their feelings. Yes. I find people like that really difficult to deal with. But I don't think that that's the entire archetype of who they are. They just want everything calm and and nice, which is idealistic. I get it. But don't we all want that? Yeah. Sometimes you've got to swim through the, the rough waters to get to more peaceful seas. Yeah. So let's envision conflict as a spectrum, okay. kind of like the autism spectrum. Right. And, you know, I spoke about the far right being conflict avoiders. So let's think about conflict seekers as far left. And many of us live in the middle. Mm-hmm. Many of us can be conflict avoiders in one situation and conflict seekers in another. But let's just unpack those definitions. So I'd like to read from Amy Gallo, the Harvard Business Review Guide to Dealing with Conflict. So she says here that conflict seekers are people who value directness and honesty more than harmony. They're willing to tell you what they think, and they don't care if things get heated. They may even seek it or escalate it. Seekers lean in, ready to engage, and sometimes even aggressively. And so let's just let's just talk about that archetype mm-hmm. of the conflict seeker. So my Ayurvedic background is coming in to this conversation, and I'm I'm imagining perhaps an imbalanced fire type right. who's, you know, a really strong, perhaps a maybe a little domineering leader who tends to be aggressive, want things his or her way, and uh, won't stop until they get it right Right. or until they win. Uh. And that, to me, I think both of these far rights and far lefts could be viewed as a sign of imbalance. Right. Right? Because we can't just always be right, and we can't always avoid conflict. Huh. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. And so what do you think about the conflict seeker description? What are your thoughts on that? I really agree with what you said, because I think that in my experience of dealing with conflict seekers, it's kind of difficult for them to relinquish the fact that they're not always going to be right. Yes. And I think there's different approaches for dealing with conflict seekers and dealing with conflict avoiders. Right. Let's think within the context of a family unit. Okay. So let's say that you have a family member who is a conflict seeker committed wholeheartedly to being right and doesn't shy away from being aggressive about it. Uh, they can be a bit of a bully in the household. Yeah, that's a good point. And whenever you have a really strong energy like that, there has to be a compromising equivalent energy to meet it. Right. And so then you get an imbalance of power. And uh, that's when conflict can escalate. So I think this conversation is just so valuable and rich for all of us because it encourages us to just take pause yeah, 
and to examine the way we engage in relationships so that we can we can be more yielding if we need to. Right. Or we can stand for ourselves more if we need to. I think it's also really interesting to just maybe take a moment to think about where you would place yourself on this scale. Mm-hmm. Because I think once you understand what your tendencies are, you're much more capable of approaching a relationship with, you know, the valuable knowledge yeah, about in yourself. A, in a more balanced, equitable way. Yeah. Uh, before we move on from the conflict seeker, perhaps we'll just use the example of Blair at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Blair is Italian Lebanese. If you listen to the previous episode of the bootlegger son, which, you know, we had a very lively conversation with Blair, who's my husband and Sophia's dad. And so he is used to fresh produce and fresh food (laughs) at almost any cost. Yeah. And so he went up to the grocery store and uh, asked if this was fresh salmon. And the young guy working there said yes. And then he kept pressing and he was like, this looks discolored. (laughs) This looks like yesterday's salmon. And the guy was like, well, I put it out today, but you're right. There's fresh stuff in the back. And Blair was like, I'll take that. So I wouldn't say that was, you know, seeking conflict for the sake of conflict. No. But he did just say that he does not shy away from conflict in order to get his needs met. Yeah. And as a result, he doesn't have harmony in his life all the time. I think that's a really interesting point to just, yeah, acknowledge that he doesn't. But he gets his needs that, met. But he gets his need met. And he is a male. Yeah. So that's another point point, right? And we've all been conditioned to make that okay for men, less okay for women. I think that he, as a male, will get away with it more than if I were to go up to the salmon guy and be like, give me today's freshest salmon. They might be like, what is she doing? Yes. (laughs) What gives her the audacity to speak to me like that? Yes. There would be different comments flying after you walk away. Yeah. Okay. So that's the conflict seeker. And so let's just touch down on the conflict avoider. Yeah. So a conflict avoider values harmony and relationships. We care about cohesion, uh, teamwork, getting along, and we're willing to sacrifice direct communication and honesty to keep the peace. We tend to put others' needs before our own largely because we want to be liked, but we also really value peace and harmony. So that, again, was a segment from Amy Gallo's book. When I read that, I kind of feel like a featherweight. (laughs) I think that growing up, this is why I really felt so compelled to do sport. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, that's very like aggressive, confrontational. Oh, I was so aggressive on the court and it was permitted Way. there. That's crazy. Right? I never even thought of that. I used to get in fights. I know you told me that. I can't even imagine that because I know how you are with conflict. So it's like Jenny got in a fight on the court. What the heck? I know. But if someone gave me a dirty foul or did something that I didn't feel was just... Um, I'd be in their face. And so I think it was the culture, the culture of sport gave me permission to meet and face conflict. So conflict avoiders tend to 
shrink and lean away. Right. And so let's just circle back to getting our needs met. What, yeah. do you, what do you think about being a conflict avoider and how effective that is in getting our needs met? The same time you are getting your needs met because your needs are that you, you don't want to engage in conflict. You're not engaging in conflict. You're getting your needs met. So if that's your priority, then yeah. you are being successful. Yeah. And I think as a conflict avoider, there's kind of two ways because I feel like some people will shrink away and be like more submissive in yes. a sense, whereas others will just use passive aggression. Yes. Which I don't feel like that's submissive at all. I think that's that's its own version of conflict. Yes. Because passive aggression to me is that's communication. I don't know. You're not saying anything, but I'm clear as day getting the signals of what you're trying to tell me. That's right. Through your non-communication. Through your non-communication. Yeah. A really big thing just came to me as you were speaking when you said that conflict avoiders do get their need for peace met. Yeah. And I think this moment might be a really valuable moment for us to really assess what our need really is. Is it to avoid conflict or is it to foster greater intimacy? Is it, you know, in this podcast, ultimately, we are committed to empowering girls and women. We're committed to elevating humanity and awakening the extraordinary. And so I wouldn't say that non-conflict or people-pleasing or peace is the ultimate goal. I think if we really peel away the layers... It's, it's not really peace, it's intimacy. Interesting. It's connection. And we need, in order to have a healthy connection with ourselves and other people, we need to honor our needs. Yeah. So if we make that slight pivot in our minds that it's not actually peace or people pleasing that we're out to get, it's healthy, functional connection. And ultimately like intimacy in a relationship. And I love this intimacy is into me see. Huh. Right? Intimacy helps us to see inside ourselves into me see. And so I think armored with that understanding, us conflict avoiders might be able to step into the world after this conversation and maybe lean in a little bit. Right. And have those difficult conversations. And this does take skill in right. order to, you know, have the, the best outcome. But we can have the intent that we want to honor our needs. We want to empower ourselves. And so shying away and shrinking in the face of the conflict seeker isn't actually in our best interests. And so maybe we play with that spectrum. Yeah. You know, and in certain situations, maybe we slide more into the middle like I did on the basketball court. I kind of want to touch base on what our dynamic is. Okay. (laughs) What? (laughs) You start. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you putting me on this spot? You start. Because I'm a conflict avoider. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Me, I want to dive deep into our relationship of conflict. She goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Let me say this, that uh, conflict avoiders can be like a volcano where we hold it in, we swallow our pride, we swallow our words, 
And then all of a sudden we can't hold it in anymore. And then it just explodes yeah. terribly unskillfully. <laughs> and we leave a wake of destruction behind us. So yeah. I've done that. And, you know, words are really powerful. And over the years, I think part of my spiritual maturity is really being very careful about my wording, so much so that um, I think it's created some social anxiety. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so I think there's a fine line there as well. I think that it kind of depends in our relationship because I'm making a generalization here, but I I agree with people when they're like, oh, you've got red hair, Mm -hmm. you get angry. And yeah, I do. I wouldn't say you're explosive. Okay. No. I feel like, honestly, this is interesting because I used to be, like when I was young, Yes, I used to be much more explosive. I think a lot of that is neuroscience. Yeah. Interesting. I never thought of that. You have a 17-year-old brain and you're able to regulate yourself. You've been developing regulation skills over the years. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, I just love one of the photos that I have in our (laughs) mindfulness presentations is a photo of Sophia and she's dressed in this gorgeous costume, this long velvet red dress and her face is in the air and it's full of angst and her fists are tight and she's just about to scream and you can just see the smoke coming out of her ears. Yeah, that's actually interesting because I I kind of like relate myself to that person, but I'm not that person anymore. Yeah, I think you've developed your prefrontal cortex. You're very thoughtful and reasonable. I mean, not not always. No, I think we butt heads because we're so similar. Mm -hmm. Like even though you're a conflict avoider, well, I'm a little extension of you. Our temperament is very similar, and yet... We're able to work it out. So what we're doing right now, we invite you to do this with family members and just even draw a straight horizontal line. And on the right side, put conflict avoider, and on the left, put conflict seeker. And just have a conversation about each family member and where they reside on that spectrum. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I never really dived deep into conflict before in my life. I think it's an interesting conversation. I think it is too. I just really like this point. When faced with conflict, we could all stand to ask ourselves, am I doing this because I'm afraid or because it's best for the situation? So that would be for a conflict avoider. And then... For a conflict seeker, when faced with conflict, we could ask ourselves, am I doing this because I want to be right or because it's best for the situation? I love that. I think a lot of listeners might be asking, is it better to be a conflict seeker Oh, yeah. to lean in or is it better to be an avoider? And I don't think there is a better or worse I think you are what you are based on nature and nurture. I think it's best in every situation to be aware. And then the second step, you know, if we find ourselves in a heated situation, to imagine holding the situation in an infinite but contained space. Right, And so we could think about conflict or an issue that's creating angst as a drop of ink. And if you were to put this drop of ink into a shot glass, it would color the whole shot glass. So that's holding it tightly. But if you soften and relax and hold it loosely, 
like dropping a drop of ink into an ocean. It dissolves. And so in those times when we are in conflict and we're in the heat of the moment and really up against ourselves, we could take deep breaths and just expand and imagine that drop of ink dropping into an ocean and know that this is a moment in time, but it will not consume you. And this allows us to create space which can hold any experience without being changed by it. We don't have to hold on to it. Or hold on to it or carry it. I think engaging in conflict is definitely a skill. And we're going to bring on experts in the field down the road because it is a skill. But I think that it starts with trust. Yeah. Trust that we can do it. Yeah. It may feel uncomfortable, but we can do hard things. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, Mom. Thank you, that was Sophia Ray. May it enrich your life and may it foster greater, stronger connections with those you love. And if you did enjoy this podcast, make sure to leave us a comment. We read every single one of them. So let us know what tip or insight stood out the most to you. We'd love to see it. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, Sophia. Mm-hmm.